go ahead and title to yourself if you're trying to take notes. This is why, somebody turn to your neighbor and say, this is why, people leave the church. All right. Matthew 13, verse 58. I'm going to read it to you so you don't have to worry about it. These people have got to stop trying to call me during service. <laughs> Matthew 13, 58 says, And Jesus, somebody say Jesus, Jesus, did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Oh no, pastor's about to preach that we're all faithless cowards. That's not what I'm preaching. Don't worry. <laughs> Jesus. Who is Jesus? The Son of God, right? Son of the Most High. Would any of you say that Jesus of all people would have been able to perform the miracle? I mean, think about it. The hardest miracle you could ever think of, Jesus of all people could have performed it, right? But it says here that he did not perform many. Somebody say many. I think it's important to know that everywhere where the Spirit of God shows up, there's at least a few miracles that happen. Amen? There's at least a few. Some of you might have been a few. Amen? He wasn't able to do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. And this is what God was revealing to me here as I was praying this morning. I've just gotten into the habit of just not even trying to prepare messages anymore because like the last five weeks that we've shown up to this church, every single one of them has not been preached. So, this morning when God spoke this, I knew that it had to be shared. It's important to know that Jesus, what do they call him? Jesus Christ. That's not his last name. Alright? Christ means the anointed one. Right? It's Greek, the anointed one. Messiah is Hebrew, the anointed one, right? So Christ, Jesus Christ, this is what they knew him as. Jesus. Jesus was speaking to my heart this morning. The Christ, the anointed one, was speaking. He said, where the anointing becomes common, miracles stop. When the anointing becomes common. Jesus was speaking this out. He, Jesus, did not do many miracles there. Where's there? Nazareth. His hometown. Where Jesus grew up, he was not able to perform many miracles there. This isn't a message about me. This isn't a message about my dad preaching in hometowns. This is a message about a church that sees an anointing as common. Right? Not all of you. you know, some of you guys are very, very thrilled that the anointing still moves here and that Jesus still moves here. That's awesome. I'm speaking in general so people have an understanding. Right? Because many people ask, why do so many people come out of this church, come into this church, leave the church, more people come in and then they leave. I'm explaining it to you. Jesus goes back to his hometown, Nazareth, where they all knew him as Jesus, not Jesus the Messiah, not Jesus the Christ, not Jesus the one who does miracles, not Jesus the one who raises the dead, not Jesus the one who can cast out demons, not that Jesus. They remember little runaround Jesus. The one that used to kick... Uh, Bartholomew on the shins. I don't know. Like, I don't think Jesus was mean. I'm just being silly. But 
the anointing became common to them because before them was the living, breathing Son of God, Son of the Most High, on an anointed assignment to do one thing and one thing only, save, heal, and deliver. That is what Jesus was here to do. And he shows up, but people were unable to receive from him because the anointing became common in their eyes. They said, wait, the Bible actually says this. He actually says, is this not Mary's son? Now notice this. When you read your Bible, when you read your Bible, and they are directing something towards a man, they normally say, John and James, son of Zebedee. Who were they sons of? Sons of their father. They're sons of their father. Here is the only scripture that I have ever seen where people said, is this not the son of Mary? To, to enlighten you, Mary was a virgin birth. Jesus was conceived in a virgin who was not yet married. So I'm sure the talk around town was, did you know we don't even know who Jesus' dad is? He's not the son of Joseph. He's not the son of God. He is the son of Mary. And when you begin to look at a person's face rather than the anointing, every single thing that they were able to do diminishes. This is what God told me this morning. God told me, people say that's just Jesus. We're going to Liberty Church. Oh, do we have to go to church today? We've got to go to church. Oh, who's preaching up today? Oh, that's just Malachi. Who's preaching today? Oh, that's just Andy. Oh, that's just Steve. That's just Ethan, right? It no longer becomes special in your heart who you're receiving from. And I think it's important to know that you are not receiving from us. You're receiving from God. This right here, this is just a mouthpiece that God chooses to use. People get so wrapped up in who is preaching that they neglect who is actually preaching. It's not me. It's not Ethan. It's not Steve. Grandpa. <laughs> I feel so bad calling you Steve in front of the congregation because it's like he is my grandpa. I feel like I'm disrespecting him. <laughs> it's not Vivian, right? It's not Danny delivering a word. It's not Jamie delivering a word. It's not the person holding the microphone. The microphone in this piece right here is just a mouthpiece and a piece of a technology to loudly proclaim what God was already speaking in a heart. So this is God speaking when things are speaking from up here. At least we pray it is, and if it's not, it'll be rebuked in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Not saying that we haven't had some people stand up and say some things that weren't of God. Alright? But we corrected very, very quickly. <laughs> they put a face to anointing rather than receiving from the anointing. I believe God wants to speak to every single heart right now. It does not matter who the face is. What matters is the anointed word that you are about to receive. What matters is the anointed music that you're about to hear, not who's singing it, not who's playing it, 
whether it's up on the screen or whether it's here live, doesn't matter who it is. What matters is that you're receiving something, right? That's why when you're at home, you're all alone, and you're just playing worship music throughout your house, you're not consumed in who's playing, you're not consumed in the lights or the show, you're not consumed in the YouTube video like this, no. You probably have your phone down, not paying attention to who's doing it, you're just allowing your spirit to receive from it and edify God through it. Amen? So I think it's important that when we show up to church, that we come with hearts ready and positioned to receive. The anointing becomes common when you stop coming with expectancy and get numbed by complacency. This is the starting point of why people choose to leave a church. Not because the word hasn't been proclaimed in truth. Not because God has stopped moving. Not because the worship was sucky that day. Not because of those things. They stop coming because the anointing becomes common because they stop coming in expectancy to receive something from God, to obtain something from heaven. They stop coming with an expectancy that heaven meets earth in a building. Did you know that some of our dry seasons, you heard people talk about dry seasons? Some of the seasons when it felt like we were at the most just blah moments, Ethan would come and he would bring somebody, like, I'm not talking about Jake at the moment, he brought tons of people into this church, tons of visitors. You know what each and every single one of them say at the end? I have never experienced God like that before. I've learned more today than I have in my entire life of Christianity. Now they're bringing it places. Why? Because it's the anointing of God, not the individual. So people come into a service, and it's not that Liberty Church is doing something wrong. It's not that the lights are bad. It's not that the, the sound is not great quality. It's not that the worship was bad that day. It's not that the pastor didn't proclaim a powerful word. Even if I just give you a short little tidbit of a word, you're receiving something. It's not that that's bad. What's bad is the heart position of the person sitting in the pew because they didn't come expecting to receive. They came expecting to judge something. I want to get you in the habit of realizing that the people that leave the church shouldn't be in the church. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not that the people aren't allowed in the church or that we don't want people in the church. What I'm saying is this. Some people would rather have the room filled with people who don't want to receive and say that it's filled. I would rather preach to an audience of eager people that are ready to receive God, touch heaven, receive their miracle, obtain a blessing, and take it and utilize it. This is what happens. The anointing, when it becomes common, the person hearing hears words that are convicting to their souls and their spirit, but instead of repenting, they start venting. I want to tell you right now, venting, venting your problems, it's not a biblical thing. It's not biblical at all. In fact, the Bible says, be anxious and worry for nothing. What is venting? It's just vocalizing your worry. It's vocalizing your frustration. It's vocalizing.
neutralizing your anger. What does the Bible say? Be angry and sin not. What does the Bible say? In everything, through prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. If people would take a convicting word, and instead of venting about how they think that person did them wrong, started praying, they would actually see change in their life. But people take words that are convicting, and instead of repenting, they begin venting. And out of their venting, the word that was meant to convict and change became offended. Offended people leave. Offended people leave. Not people that are receiving. No, they've already, at this point, if they're leaving the church... They have already put a face to anointing rather than receiving from an anointing. They have already made the anointing common and have stopped coming with expectancy and became complacent, no longer expecting God to do anything good. And the anointing has already become common in their life and every single convicting word, they flip it from convicting to offending. That is what causes people to leave. I want you to think back at the past people that have left since I've been here. Don't focus too hard. It'll, it'll ruin your entire life. But I'm, what I'm wanting to say is this. They have a common theme. Now, does that is that meaning to say that I've always corrected in the best way? No, I'm learning. Okay? <laughs> is that to say that I've always done the right thing as a pastor? No. Sometimes I lack love. And the Bible says that we're to do everything in love. Even correcting, even bringing forth something that is supposed to change someone's life is supposed to be done out of love for bettering the community. Okay? Some people have done that, they still left. Okay? Some people have had to learn <laughs> the hard way on a couple things. But common theme, there was one, there was one group of people. I say group of people, because this is what venting does. When you vent, you're not talking to God, you're talking to others. And that offense that you're now feeling is now spread amongst others, and then multiple people leave, not just the one that was offended. But they gave other people reasons to be offended when those people actually thought the word was good. This is what people do. People come in, they get really, really excited, and they're shouting. They're like, yes, amen, pastor, preach. At the beginning, preach, pastor, that's a good word. That's an anointed word right there, brother. Oh my goodness, God just is flowing from this pulpit. Oh my goodness. And then I say the one thing that just strikes a nerve in their heart because God's convicting, and they go, how dare he twist the word of God. <laughs> I have had people that were giving false prophecy to people in the church, that were speaking out lying divinations, I brought forth the word of correction out of love and saying, this is not how God works. We can't just say everything we feel without testing the spirit to see, of course, it's from God. The Bible shows us this, and I've worded out, right? We have board meetings with people like this, to where it's not just me saying, rah, rah, rah. no, it's everybody collectively, hey, listen, this has been brought to our attention. This is something that's wrong. And people see, uh, Gary and Grandpa know some of these people, right? We, they know people that we've had meetings with. And then what do they do? Instead of receiving a convicting word and repenting and allowing God to push the ministry forward, instead, they vent their problems to other individuals in the church. That's called 
rumors and gossip. Gossip kills churches. Let's, listen, right now, I'll tell you this right now. Gossip is most of the time true. It's just twisted enough to vent rather than edify. Yes, multiple people have left the church. Are we going to sit around talking about it? Does that mean you want to come to a church where everybody leaves there offended? Well, if that's all they hear about, everybody just leaves offended from Liberty Church, then no wonder people don't want to come to Liberty Church. No wonder people don't want to, no, I'd rather not go there. I think I'll go somewhere where I'm not going to just get offended and people yell at me all the time. Like, well, what speaks this in their heart? They heard from someone else an experience that that person calls truth and spreads it amongst people. A little leaven ruins the whole entire batch. A little bit of bad stuff. Poison spreads and gossip is poisonous. Rumors are poison. That's that's gossiping lies. <laughs> but you gotta understand that these people when they go and they talk, 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 talk amongst everyone. And then sooner or later I'm finding out that apparently I'm a practicing witch. Oh, okay. That doesn't make any sense. I've had people come up to me and say, My spirit doesn't like your spirit. Okay, well, I got the Spirit of God. What do you got? (laughs) What's going on? They receive a word that was brought forth from the heart of God for correction and for people. And listen, I'm not always preaching words of correction towards people. This is the other thing people confuse. They think the word that God gave me was because that hurt some type of conversation that they were talking behind my back. Half the time I don't know people are talking behind my back until I preach a convicting word, and then those people are like, how dare you correct me in front of the entire church? I was like, okay. Well, sorry. I, if you're that convicted, maybe you pray. <laughs> I don't know. The anointing, when it becomes common, completely kills miracles. It kills growth. Right? Not saying that God can't do a little something. You'd be able to experience so much more if we got out of our own selfish desire because church is not about us. And every single person that comes in, they stop coming in with an expectancy that they're ready to receive. They stop coming in with an expectancy that God's actually going to be here. They stop coming in with an expectancy that God's going to heal people and deliver people so they get caught in the mundane things of life. They stop thinking and coming expecting that God's going to fix their situation. So instead of coming and declaring God's going to fix it, they come around talking about how their life's falling apart. And all they do is talk, 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 about how all of the bad things are happening, that they refuse to see what God's actually doing and what he has the capability of doing because they no longer value the anointing because they become complacent. This is why people leave the church. They take one situation and another situation. They combine them together and they make it about a personal attack when really no one was being personally attacked. God was just speaking. Things were just happening. Sometimes people leave because they're confused and they think that God did this or that the pastor did this in spite of them. You know? Like, Expecting and ready our hearts to receive and, and actually want to get better, 
problem is we have a lot of religious people that come to church. A lot of people that don't want to get better. A lot of people that don't want to change. A lot of people that are coming to check something off their to-do list. A lot of people that are saying, I went to church this week, hashtag blessed. Man, reckless love was awesome on the worship set today. Did they worship? No. They sat in the back and they talked the entire time. Were they up front receiving when God was actually speaking out for them? No. They were sitting down in a seat somewhere. Now listen, I'm not, I'm not bashing people that sit in seats. I'm not bashing people that if you're here to receive, you're going to receive something regardless as to where you are. But if you can't open up your heart and operate in a little bit of obedience too, then you're never going to see anything. You've got to come expecting that God's going to do something. And then when God actually is ready to give it, you've got to be obedient to what the Word of God is speaking to where you can actually see the thing that you came expecting for. So many people come and go and they say it's the Spirit of God leading them when really it's their heart that feels rejected by a church. Because they stopped coming to receive. They came for their own selfish interests. They wanted to say, Lord, I still have a relationship with you. Look, I'm still here at church. Listen, you can stay at Liberty Church from the beginning of 15 years to where it's at right now and not receive a single thing from God because you sat down at a complacency your entire time here. Amen. It's time for the church to get hungry. It's time for a church to come and be ready. You know what Jesus said about the virgins that were waiting for the, waiting for the groomsmen? The ones that actually went with the groomsmen were people that came ready and expecting them, right? They expected, listen, they expected the groomsmen were coming, so they prepared, and they showed up, and then they got it, and they went out. Jesus said the same way it will be like that in the, in the last days. There will be people that will come to church expecting God to Listen, this is talking about a rapture. Okay? I want to be very clear. I'm going to use both illustrations, but you can learn from this too, but I'm talking specifically, Jesus is talking about a rapture. He's talking about some people that came ready, they were expecting, so they prepared, so they came waiting, eagerly waiting, eagerly waiting, eagerly waiting, though they got tired. They didn't run out of expectancy. And they didn't run out of the preparation because they prepared to wait for as long as it was so they even brought extra oil. They brought extra things to keep their lights turned on. To where when Jesus comes in, he's looking for people that have a flame upon their heart. Not a dead church. Not a church that's sitting in a few complacent. Not a church that no longer receives from an anointing. Not a church that's always just sitting back going, oh, this stinks. It stinks to be here. I wake up early. That's not the heart that we should have. We come together to worship God. And that flame that is there, he's looking for those with flames. And when they come, when Jesus comes back, he's going to collect those that fire and lamps are lit and on. Listen, oil is a symbol of the anointing. Fire is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is coming back, not for people who are Christians, not for people that go to church, 
Not for people that have been saved for 30 plus years. Not for people that have said a prayer. Not for people that said, oh my goodness, I love Jesus so much. Not for people that post the most scriptures on their Instagram. He's not coming back for those people. He's not coming back for people that read their Bible every single day. He's not coming back for those people. He is coming back for a church that has received oil. If you stop receiving from the anointing, that means you hold no anointing. You hold no oil. You hold no oil because you stop receiving from the ones that are giving it. He's coming back for people who have received oil from the words being declared, from the anointed mouths that are called to preach the word of God, set straight from heaven. Only a mouthpiece delivering it, but clinging on to every single word that was spoken and putting it in themselves to feed a fire of the Holy Ghost living inside of them, ready to continue to burn day and night. He's coming back for people who are ready to receive from an anointing, receive a baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus isn't coming back for those baptized in water. He's coming back for people who have not denied him. I have heard more out of the last five weeks from the church that the healing that we do is operated out of witchcraft. That the demons were cast out because of witchcraft. I urge the church to read their Bible. The only unforgivable sin is that of blaspheming against the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you what it means. Jesus cast the devil out of someone. The Pharisee said he cast devils by the power of Beelzebub. He cast out demons through the power of demons. And Jesus' response is what demon can cast out demons? The only unforgivable sin is that of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. I'm here to tell you today, the church better get on fire. The church better hear the words that are coming from the Bible and not get offended because we say them, but allow it to change the very fiber of their being until they are so on fire that they are living out the words that are spoken. Let me put this in perspective for some. People go, are you saying that those people that aren't filled with the Holy Spirit aren't going to make it to heaven? Yeah. Yes, I am. How could you say that? They still believe in the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Okay. But what separates them? Listen to me right now. Jake, come here. Ethan, come here. I've got three people displayed to you. Each one of them, this is not their actual state of being, okay? They are all filled with the Holy Ghost. Just to clarify. Alright. Jake, alright, you are the sinner in this scenario. You're not a sinner in real life, just a scenario, okay? I'm just messing with you. 
you are the Christian, you're the Holy Spirit filled with yourself. Listen, the Holy Spirit comes knocking at the door of the heart. Conviction, don't do that. Conviction, don't do that. Conviction, don't do that. Conviction, don't do that. That's the sinner. The one that's not saved, that has no covenant relationship with God. This is the Christian unfilled with the Holy Ghost. Stop doing that, you're sinning. 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 What separates them? Oh, you think the words that came out of their mouth of a prayer is the thing that separates them? No. The thing that separates them is this. The Holy Spirit is taken from out here in its place in here. The thing that separates a sinner from an actual Christian is that the Holy Spirit never stops convicting. Don't get me wrong. But he stops doing it from the outside and starts doing it from the inside. I think that there's some Christians that don't operate in the full power of the Holy Ghost. Listen to me. They don't operate in the full power Meaning, they haven't started speaking in tongues yet. They're not sure about everything yet. They're questioning it. They want to know more. I think those people have a little bit of the Holy Ghost inside of them. It just has, it's a little spark. It hasn't become a wildfire yet, but it's there. Okay? But then there's Christians that think that the way that they get to heaven is because they said a prayer. They don't change their life. They don't change anything about themselves. And then there's those Christians that are, I change everything about myself, but I deny the Holy Ghost. Okay, you're a Pharisee, not a Christian. Some of the church has become so, just, if I read my Bible, I'm going to make it to heaven. If I read my Bible, if I come to church, if I said a prayer, I'm good. Say a little prayer and it's alright. That's not the Bible. The Bible says, now listen, since the day of Pentecost, the Bible says you can't live right without the Holy Spirit inside of you. It's the thing that convicts not only of sin, but how to live righteously. That's the thing that keeps you. The Bible says that it's a seal. Listen, once saved, always say yes. Yes. When God takes the Holy Spirit, puts it inside of you, and marks you with his seal of his spirit, what is that saying? It's saying, I choose to be convicted by the Holy Ghost, to be led in what is righteous and not, and to be convicted of judgment as well. And as long as you continue to walk in that thing, when the Holy Spirit says, don't go this way, you say, okay. When the Holy Spirit says, you better duck, you better duck. You better jump, you better jump. Listen, those are physical things, right? The Holy Spirit's going to lead you, and as long as you choose to follow, you're saved. You're healed, you're delivered, you're going to heaven. But it's not about going to heaven, it's about bringing heaven down and about establishing a kingdom right here, right now. And if we can't get that, then are we really saved? Because all of these people are going around going, I'm saved, I said a prayer. I saved, I went to church. I'm saved, I read my Bible. Because great, what are you doing to advance the kingdom of God? I play Fortnite. You didn't answer my question. 
What are you doing to advance the kingdom of God? Oh, I show up to church every single Sunday. Okay, so nothing. Nothing. Sorry if I'm convicting people. Please don't turn it into offense. People watching online, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm trying to speak forth the word of God that will change your life. Amen. It's the goodness of God that leads them to repentance, not, you know you're really, really bad. You know you're really, really bad. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. You know you're going to hell. Hey, by the way, everybody, you're going to hell. I saw it in the Bible. You're going to hell. I go to church. Woo! Yes! <laughs> that is the way Christians act. And because so much of the church has responded with an act not out of love and compassion which leading them to repentance. There's, uh, listen, I agree with repentance. Repentance is good. What I'm saying is this. You cannot say, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. You need to repent. You need to repent. You need to repent. All they're doing is saying, why? And because the church has rejected the very thing God told us to cherish, which is love, Oh, it's great to have all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Oh, it's great to just... I need to take this off. I'm sorry. I'm sweating like crazy. Although it's great to see God flowing. Although it's great to see God's healing. Although it's great to have all of these things. The Bible says the greatest of all of these things is love. You have a chapter summarizing all of the nine gifts of the Holy Ghost and an entire chapter for love alone. And because the church has rejected love, this is why the world says love is love. And so because people have felt rejected where they should have felt loved, they run to other things to find the love that they need. I'm not saying don't preach sin. What I'm saying is, the reason you don't have to live bound, Christian, is because God loved you so much, he called you out of it and into something better. You don't have to have lust. You got God. You got love. Lust is a counterfeit of love. It wants all of the benefits of love without having the intimacy. Hmm. Listen, sinner. You don't have to be a homosexual. Why? God's got something better. Listen, Christian. You don't have to be depressed. So many people glorifying their depression and their ailments and, oh yeah, God was with me when I was in cancer and I'm still battling it, but God's good. Listen, Christian. You don't have to suffer from depression. You can have something better. Joy. So rebuke the demon that's trying to oppress you and step into something better. The Bible says this, Jesus is one message and one message alone was this. Repent. Why? Because you're going to hell. No. Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. What does at hand mean? Hey, I'm at hand. What does at hand mean? It means it's accessible. Why are we repenting? Because heaven, through Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Ghost, is made accessible here on earth. You say, where's the other scripture for that to back that? That just seems like a twisted scripture. Okay. Jesus said, you ought to pray like this. The Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth. As it is in heaven. God wants 
his kingdom of heaven placed right here on earth because it has the power to call people out of their sinful ways and into the kingdom out of their Christian ways and into the kingdom and someone baptized filled with the Holy Ghost needs to come in and by the love of God impart into them laying on of hands impart into them the Holy Spirit which will cause them to ever walk saved. What does the Bible say? You are saved. You're being saved. And you will be saved. Jesus is in a constant process of making what happened in here reflect out here. So every single step, every single step forward, led by the Holy Ghost, you're changing. Yeah, okay. So... This sinner right here just got saved. And he's still cursing like a sailor. But he's no longer bound to depression. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. You're perfect. The very, very second that you receive something good in your life, right? No. It's a constant moving forward. The problem is people stop moving forward because they stop coming with expectancy. They, st they, they, they stop coming up to receive. They stop sitting down with ears listening. They stop looking at what's going on up here and saying, that's holy. That's holy ground. Glory to God. God's glory is here. Instead, they start talking. Do you think that's real? Do you think this is happening right now? Do you really think that that's going on? And they're chatting up a storm in the back. Why? Why? Because they stopped coming ready to receive that. They stopped coming with an eager desire to encounter God. I'm not saying question, don't question things that you see. But when you look at it, if you don't ask a legitimate question and receive an answer from the Bible, then it's invalid. Right? So many people. Oh, does God still move today? Does God still move today? And you're going to have half the church go, Yes, he does. Look at all, let me say all, all, all the scriptural evidence. Yes. And then you're going to have the one person that sits down and points out one scripture, reads it out of context, and not even the full scripture. Amen. He goes, see, that's proof that it doesn't happen. It is a religious spirit that shows up to church and calls themselves saved and doesn't change. What did I tell you guys a couple weeks ago? If you're not growing, you're dead. If you're not growing, you're dead. Think of me, think with me about a tree, okay, or a plant. When it's green, it's receiving things, right? What is it receiving? It's receiving light. Receiving nutrients from its soil and being fed with water and all of the good stuff, just soaking it all up. The thing that separates a growing, a growing plant, a growing Christian from a dead Christian, a growing Christian from a churchgoer, the thing that separates it is one of them stopped receiving. One of them stopped soaking it in. One of them stopped. 
you ever seen a plant placed in one side of a room, they're receiving all the sunlight there, but then there's, like, if you move that plant outside, do you think it rejects the sun because it's in a different spot? Or a situation changed? No, they're like, no, this is cool. This is a totally different environment. I'm open for new opportunities. Actually, I'm outside now. I've never felt this breeze before. That's nice, right? Sometimes change is refreshing. And you shouldn't look at change as a, as a death grip that's going to cripple you. You should look at change as an opportunity to experience God in a different way. And if you ever stop growing, if you ever stop absorbing the nutrients, you're just a church door. You're just someone who fills a spot. Or might I say, you're a weed that is planted in a garden that is thriving, and because of your mouth, always taking things offensively, always running it, venting, because you are able to handle your conviction, you're choking out the life of other people. The Bible says, woe to those. Whoa, it's not a horse woe. I mean, we're talking about like, oh my gosh, something serious is about to happen. Whoa, <laughs> that's what we're talking about. Woe to them who offend one of these. It would be better. Let me say it would be better. For them to tie a millstone around their neck and be tossed into the sea than it would be to offend one of these people. Like, like listen to this. Listen to this. It's depiction. It, this is painting a picture. You know what a millstone is? Probably not. Okay. A millstone <clears throat> is something that weighs about 20 times the amount of Ethan and is about the size of, here, here, stand right next to him. All of us combined, with a hole in the middle, think about a rope tied around all three of us weighing much, much more, okay? Wrapped around your neck, and imagine somebody just taking it and tossing it into the sea. There's no amount of swimming up from that that you can do, ever. It would take a miracle of God to break that off of you. It would be better for someone to have that happen to them than it will be for the punishment of those that cause offense. So many people get offended, and out of their offense, they want to get other people offended to where they're not the only ones feeling that way. It'd be better for you tossed into the ocean with a millstone around your neck and what's going to happen to you if you continue to do it. Let that be a word that is convicting, not offending. Let that be a word that is encouraging because there's a way out. There's a way out. You can still get out. You guys can sit down, sorry. God's got plans. God's got plans for your life. Alright? No matter what happens in it, change is an opportunity to grow even more. Could have been that this change takes you out of a shadowy corner and into a magnificent light that causes you to flourish in ways you haven't. Change is good. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I'm growing. I'm not dead. 
So Lord Jesus, continue to convict me. Because the minute that you stop feeling God's conviction, the Bible says that people have taken God's conviction and they have seared their hearts with or their hearts with a hot iron to where they can no longer feel it or hear it. God's a gentleman, he's not going to yell over top of your wants and desires. So when you get convicted, it's often that, hey, this needs to change. Not, hey, wake up! You need to change. No, it's just, hey, don't do that. Don't do that. And at a certain point, you say, shut up, 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 until the point where he's just like, it's like, the conviction's still there. You just blocked yourself from experiencing Conviction is a good thing. It causes growth. Condemnation is not. That's when the devil is trying to bring a false conviction towards you. It's when the devil is trying to bring up stuff that God's already set you free from and hold you captive to it. And say that you can't move forward. You can't grow. Look at all the stuff you've done. But you need to look back at the devil and say, no, 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 no. God proved that off of me. That dead thing's already gone. I'm nothing but green. Hallelujah. Are you ready to move forward? Yes. Amen. Amen. Lord, stand on your feet tonight, today. Lord Jesus, I just pray right now that every single person that has had the opportunity to hear the sound of my voice would begin to stir their hearts, would begin to ask God, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? God, I pray right now that when they receive the answer, that they walk firm in it. In Jesus' mighty name. God, I pray right now that every single gossiping spirit would be put to rest right now. I pray right now for every single individual, every single one, who has been offended by something that's happened here. I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you would be able to bring conviction back to their heart. And God, I pray right now, pray right now, that you would mend the hurt that they have allowed themselves to experience. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. amen.